Hello and welcome to the third and final C21 podcast from the Real Screen Summit 2020 here in New Orleans. I am still Clive Whittingham and I am still the news editor at C21 Media. Nothing has happened in the last 24 hours to change uh, that situation. I'm today joined uh, by three North American uh, producers uh, and we're going to uh, dissect the main talking points uh, from the conference this week and uh, those facing the industry as a whole. So uh, we'll go around the table and, uh, and introduce them. Uh, to my immediate right, which means nothing to you because you're listening to this in audio, is uh, Rob Shaftel, who is the founder and exec producer of Hit and Run. Yes. Rob, how are you? How's your week? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm still ticking. Uh, so I've <laughs> made it through a few nights, so that feels like an accomplishment in this city. Uh, yeah, week's been great. It's awesome seeing everybody, talking to everyone. Super positive. Yeah, I'm feeling good. Yeah, we're upright, and that's, uh, yeah. that's the main thing on, uh, on Wednesday. Uh, tell us a bit about Hit and Run for people that don't know the company. Yeah, so Hit and Run is a production company that I founded. We're based in Hoboken, New Jersey, which is right across the river from New York City. Uh, we produce a lot of series. Uh, we produce I Was Prey for Animal Planet. We just wrapped season three on that. Did I Was Prey Shark Week uh, last year, which won the night. It was really successful, which is great. Uh, we've got a great series coming out called Critter Fixer Country Vets on Nat Geo Wild. Premieres March 7th. Really excited about that one. Produced a show called Legends of the Wild for Discovery. Uh, this year, wrapped on a show called My Horror Story for Travel Channel. We also do a lot of big branded projects. We did a show called The Series of Rugby uh, this year that was brand funded by DHL. Shot in 24 countries around the world. Super premium. Really, really excited about that one. Mm. Did DHL give you notes? Um, they gave us some notes, but they were really fantastic. Um, they didn't fancy themselves as producers or try to be producers. Um, they kind of let myself and my producing partner, Stephen O'Mare, just do our thing and churn out great content for them. Amazing. And uh, next we have uh, Tony Tackerberry, who is the CEO of Lion Television USA, new face on the podcast. Tony, welcome. Thanks for joining us. How's your week been? Uh, my week has been pretty good. Definitely looking forward to going home, <laughs> as I always feel at this point of real screen. Uh, the Wednesday is, is definitely the downward slide but it's been great it's been a it's been it's been interesting it's actually to me had a different feel to many of the other um real screens it, it felt a little more collegiate between networks and producers at least that's the sense that i've taken away from it there's a bit more sort of exchanging of uh, open exchange of ideas and thoughts rather than formal pitch respond pitch respond uh, and I don't know how much that's the networks looking for different ways to engage the community, how much it's producers. Le- it feels to me like less and less pitching goes on at real screen the, the, long, the longer it's gone on. To the point that networks will go through a whole day barely getting pitched. And I think that, that changes the intensity, and to me, in a good way. Okay. And uh, Lion Television, do you want to, for people that aren't aware... Give us, the, give us the elevator pitch for, for your company. Uh, uh, Line Television, uh, company set up uh, in the UK about 25 years ago, created famous series in the UK, Pannington Green, Castaway, Children's Hospital. We opened the US office 17 years ago. I actually opened it. Uh, and we've done a whole range of content. Right now, we're doing a ton of true crime for ID. We just relaunched, rebooted Cash Cab on Bravo uh, and putting a huge amount of uh, time and effort into developing formats. How do you cut through in true crime? Everybody does true crime. How does yours uh, stand out? Uh, It's brilliant, obviously. (laughs) Um, You know, it's tough. It took us a long time to first of all build the relationship, build the trust with the buyer, 
um, make them believe not only that we could come up with the right ideas but then execute um, and you know I don't know which is we, we pride ourselves on our filmmaking we love to we you know everyone a lot of the shows have similarities but actually you always look for that differentiate that thing that differentiates the show one show to uh, to another and I think that that's what we look for we look for those differences and sort of lean into that so that our shows can stand out a bit more how did the um, the reorganisation with uh, Lion and Lime work? Uh, how's, how's that changed things for you guys? It's great. It's working out really good. Uh, the Lime NDs are phenomenal. Um, and, and in truth, I think it's, it's created a real opportunity, especially for me in the States. Um, I think they obviously have had some successes in, in the US. Um, but they haven't really quite established the, the, the presence that I think they want to, and I think that's a great opportunity for me to see if we can work together and, and sort of build out the Lime brand in, in the US as well. Uh, and last but not least, waiting patiently, Craig Janest, another new face uh, on our podcast. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. One year old, your company, I believe. Why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Sure. So our company is Five Films. We're a relatively new company, although my business partner and I have been in the industry for a couple of decades. Um, Scott, who's my business partner on the sports side, me more on the entertainment, studio and live production side of things, um, have helped uh, quite a few production companies get off the ground, uh, having worked very closely with Michael Davies, getting uh, Embassy Row up and built. and. And so Scott and I founded a company based on a relationship that started working together on a series called The Circus, which was for Showtime, about a behind-the-scenes look at how a presidential election cycle is run, uh, really the, peeling the curtain back and letting people see what the operatives do, how the candidates respond. And um, we, um, we've got a big commission from Fox Sports, uh, kind of sticking with our DNA, uh, which is sports, politics, and, uh, and military-slash-government. Uh, stories. We've got a great um, commission with Fox Sports and just looking to continue to grow in not in just that space but also moving into like entertainment and uh, we've got a documentary that we're working with on uh, Wynton Marsalis and kind of telling his story. So storytelling is really the foundation of what we do and just looking to take what we've done collectively from an aesthetic and storytelling standpoint and apply that into other areas. Stick to sport, avoid the politics, I reckon. <laughs> I reckon the way things are going, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be safer on the sport. Yeah. sport the, the, yeah, the sports genre, sports doc genre seems to have just exploded lately. Is that is that effect of the streamers? Amazon seemed to love a, a, a sports doc, one of those follow, follow a team for a year. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is it just them or why, why, have, why is that genre buzzing so much? Well, I think, and this has been one of my takeaways from, from this real screen, is that people are, are really starting to shift focus towards you know, true storytelling as opposed to like really driving things out in a longer format, letting the stories breathe instead of just trying to encapsulate everything into a nice little, you know, standalone episode. And for that, it's great for us. And being able to tell the stories, you know, go a little bit deeper into a sports story, whether that's, you know, in football, soccer, baseball, doesn't matter. There's always things that, that you can pull out of there. They're really just story generating machines. And because everything changes with a new season, you've got new players, new stats, new opportunities to, to really dig in and, and tell the stories. And I think sports programming is shifting also into less about 
all the great stories that happened in the past, but what's happening currently. Because I think they, they find the value in attracting the audience, whether they're, it's retaining an audience or bringing in a younger demographic uh, of showing people what, you know, what these athletes' lives are like. So a couple of really insightful uh, talking points from the week there from, uh, from Tony and Craig. No pressure, Rob. What's your, uh, what's your big takeaway? <laughs> Your big takeaway from real screen this week? Yeah, I think a big takeaway for me is in the past couple of years, I think there's been, um, I think people have really talked a lot about the challenges and there's been some gloom and doom talk. I feel like this year, it's been just a really positive experience over around. Yeah. You agree? I, uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. No, I wasn't trying, yeah. yeah. No, I think it has been. Like you feel the it, feel, that's what I'm saying. The yeah. feeling this year is just very different. Yeah. Um, and I think the change of location absolutely helped. But, but you're right, there's just a, a, a different vibe. Yeah, people, I, I think in the last couple of years, like there were many conversations about like, oh man, the ratings are dropping, what are we doing? But I think now it just feels really positive. I don't, haven't really spoken to anyone um, about that stuff. It's more like, all right, how do we work together? What are we doing? What's going on with you? And it just feels good. It's just yeah. a really good vibe. Yeah, and I think it is that thing of, what, you know, actually we're in this together, so let's try and figure out ways yeah. to sort of solve the, yeah. the challenges and, and get overcome it. And I do think actually the, like, and I think the, the, the producer network relationship is actually getting um, much healthier, I feel like. And I feel like it's just the proof of just the overall vibe here. I think yeah. it's... I haven't seen a, a single end of days uh, doom mongering prediction on a panel this year, and there's usually one of those at yeah. Real Screen. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if it's going to be the last day. But you're chairing the panel tomorrow, yeah. so no, that's, keep that's keep it I'm light. No, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to bring everyone down. That's my goal: is to finish the panel on a really sort of down and despondent note. Right? That's what we're going to go for. Yeah. That's how Real Screen ends every year. Yeah, so exactly. we're we're relying yeah, on you. Yeah, relying on I'm going to come through. I promise you, I'll come through. Uh, well, let's 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 do that then. Challenges facing US cable. I was going to come to that last, but you, you've kind of you've raised it there. We know the story: cord cutting, subscriptions down, ad revenues down, production budgets being cut, profit margin down from ten percent, development costs going up, doom after doom. Like we say, all these doom laden predictions. You guys, you three are at the coalface. You work with US cable. How is it from your point of view? I mean. Is the situation as bad as everybody makes out? And where do we go from here with that? Who wants to go first on that? Yeah, it's not. It's not great. <laughs> um, it, it, you know, it, there's two sides to it, as there always is. One of the reasons that there are challenges, and that particularly the linear business is facing challenges, is because there's so much more competition. There are so many more people doing content. So then, that's the other side of it, which is that presents opportunity. And it's funny, I was in LA two weeks ago um, on a fairly big pitching trip and it was, it was one of the best trips we've, been, we've had out in LA just in terms of the number of buyers, the engagement from the buyers, the genuine passion and interest, as you were saying, in good storytelling. And so it's, you know, it's, there's two sides to, to the coin. It, it, in, in, you know, my business is traditional linear cable. That's where I have been for most of the, career, most of the time in the US. That's tough. Budget. All of what you said is true, and it's happening, and it, it's we're feeling it, no question. Um, but as the world changes, as you know, the disruptors are getting disrupted, opportunity arises, and, yeah. and uh, that's actually a really genuinely exciting. Yeah, there's way more buyers, but uh, cable's the bread and butter for for companies like yourselves, isn't it? Uh, Craig, how uh, how have you sort of dealt with and assessed the situation? Like new company, obviously, but you've sure. been in the business, you know, decades, so. 
so we look at it as a, as a great opportunity to one way that we see what's happening in the industry and kind of the different platforms who are bringing production in-house, like say, you know, uh, a media company like Politico, like they are a they are an editorial engine. Um, we've been in conversations with the Athletic to talk about sports stories, and again, a platform that has a wealth of talent, mm -hmm. editorial talent, but doesn't have the opportunity or the means to kind of get the story out in a different format. We've been finding some great opportunities there to align with different brands who need the storytelling expertise to help bring things from off the website or off the portal onto the screen. Now, whether that's a, a linear screen or through, you know, through streaming, you know, that's to be determined. But it makes us excited to see the door being really wide open. Um, I think one of the things that, that I've noticed here is that there's been a lot of focus on uh, the buzzword is premium and and. While we certainly feel like our aesthetic fits squarely right into that, I think it'll be interesting to see how everybody else attacks that. And also, you know, premium comes with, you know, as it, it's premium. It's, you know, you bring it. Cost is not, it's not going down. It's but, but it's I think how you find, how you adjust your producing style to fit that, and it's really putting the focus on spending smartly and negotiating up front for why you need you know, certain things in order for it to have that rich, premium, visceral look. So I'm hearing basically the, the, there's other opportunities for you guys. Cable maybe isn't so important. So where does that leave the cable channels that still want to work with you guys? Do they have to change their model, change their business? And, and if so, how? Or do they just keep doing what they're doing now and you guys can make up the, uh, the shortfall elsewhere with all these new opportunities? I'd, I'd say for me, I'm really focused on like when I have a really good relationship and a good vibe with cable network, like I'm going to I'm going to keep doing whatever I can to work with them, um, even if their budgets are uh, dropping a little bit. Um, if you have the good relationships in place, you can have those honest conversations and say, listen, you're dropping this budget by like 20 percent. The expectation um, of how we get to that final product needs to shift a little bit with that. So for me, my big focus is on relationships. If I have a good experience working with a network, like there, there's nothing um, I won't do to get that good experience again. I think that's absolutely right. And, and just, to, I, I agree, I'm not, we're not jettisoning, jettison, jettisoning the idea of cable, quite the opposite. It's still gonna be a huge part of my business. And they still make a ton of content. They are buying a ton of content. They, you know, everyone's talking about the, you know, it's all going to sort of go away in five years. I don't know. There's a lot of content in still being made in linear cable, so it's still important. But I just think you're absolutely right. You got to adapt. You got to be agile. You have got to be flexible. They have to be as well, and I feel like are they, are they being? Because they're known as being quite intransigent. Depends intransient. on who you're talking to. Depends on who you're working with. I think one of the things we struggle with sometimes is the but everybody knows the budgets are dropping um, but the expectation of what the final show is and the level of people you're hiring to make that final show aren't necessarily shifting with the budget and I think that's just a real a real challenge and maybe a network's budgets are dropping 20% but their internal processes remain the same or what they're expecting from us as far as like how many cuts and stopping down for weeks while they review stuff or what have you remains the same and isn't adjusting with those budget drops um, so I think that's where the 
where the where it gets to a your bit point, challenging. I think that's where the relationships are key, yeah. and and so you often end up working with the networks that you have the best relationships yeah. with because you do, it is collaborative and you do figure it out together. Yeah, and I think everybody has those different relationships. Um, so one one company might work great with one network that might not be the best fit for another company, but that doesn't mean there's something wrong with that network. Like sometimes it's just not necessarily the right fit. Everybody here has what they would consider great different relationships, right? Um, I think another thing that's evolved is kind of what it takes to get to series on a show. Um, The development really now has to be turnkey to get the the show to series. Um, For me, being someone who's come out of development, being the head of development at ITV Studios on the East Coast and being the first head of development at Left Field, um, I'm used to a lot of development. Uh, my head of development worked with me at ITV Studios America, so he and I have been developing shows together for a long time. Uh, so for us, it's kind of okay. We're not volume developers. We believe in whatever we do, we're going to make it. We're going to make it great. Um, we maybe don't play a lot of hands, but when we do play our hands. We push in all our chips. So for us, it, it it's all right, but it really does take a lot to get to series now, more so than I remember, like you know, eight to ten years ago yeah. I, hear, I hear that a lot so do you develop fewer projects for longer now is that because it, it costs so much in the development processes yeah. I mean you yeah. just don't have the resources to, to keep that many plates spinning for that long yeah and even, and even having I don't think resources are even are necessarily the answer because it's just because you have money to spend doesn't equal sales in my eyes at least um, it still comes down to the quality of the work at the end of the day, but it just feels like you really need a lot for it to get to series, and you're often answering a lot of questions that aren't that really can't be answered until you have the full team making the show. Completely right. So, uh, as television gives with one hand, it takes away with the other. On the on the positive side, there's this new thing coming down the uh, traps that everyone's talking about. Avod short form. We've got Quibi to launch. It's coming to Savers. They've got big budgets wonderful new opportunity where are you guys on the the short form revolution that has been predicted is it flash in the pan is it the next big thing who's going to uh, come off the fence and, uh, <laughs> and uh, i think it has a, i think it has an audience um one of the areas where we're seeing short form being effective is in is in politics you can tell these um you can tell these stories of what particularly now like in the states because of we have a presidential election year that were that is just starting to ramp up officially there's a lot of messaging that the candidates are wanting to get out and there is an audience for it you know particularly in this country where politics is so uh, fractured and it's a hot button it it gives us opportunities to tell stories that maybe may not make the nightly news uh, but we can tell them as characters as opposed to just a politician who's up on a platform behind behind a podium giving their speech so we appreciate that kind of flexibility of going for something that doesn't need to be 22 minutes or 44 or whatever your clock is, that you can still tell a really good story in a short amount of time, and there are people who are interested in that. And I think, there, and I, and I think the format actually fits today's lifestyle and, and people who are, who are looking for more. Yeah. Is there a business model there for, for Lion? Uh, uh, a Quibi? Uh, well, short form in general, can you can you make well, it can I mean, you make it pay? Uh, we've done some short form stuff. Actually, we just did a series uh, for ID, um, which was um, a digital series, eight to ten minutes each, 
classic old sort of notion caught on camera did phenomenally well um, you know millions and millions of views for these videos on Facebook and all these other platforms and um, and yeah it totally worked for us I mean it I can say that now I think going into it it was a little bit of an experiment I think that's that's kind of how I look at something like Quibi for me first of all they definitely present some really appealing and interesting terms of trade and um, budgets and ownership and all of that kind of stuff is is really appealing and they if they're trying to get the producers attention that way they're going about it in, 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 a, in a very smart fashion um, and so uh, you know is there is there such a big market for that kind of content across all those kind of genres I don't know um, but I'm happy, you know, we're all in the, we're all trying to figure it out. And, yeah. I, and, and I welcome another entity playing in the marketplace and doing things in a different way. With big money to spend, we hear it, we hear a lot about I've their... Heard a lot about <laughs> yeah. Money. yeah. <laughs> I mean, they get, they're, they're betting the house, though, that uh, that target audience is willing to pay another monthly subscription for short form for stuff when you can I mean, probably not of the same standard, maybe, but you can get it for short form for free on YouTube there's TikTok things like that I think that whole subscription thing but not, I'm not talking specifically about Quibi but I think there is a, 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 a challenge um, with the I mean the number of subscriptions that you have to mm-hmm. sort of take out in order to have a broad sense of or um, get a chance to watch all the content that's out there and I think that that's not particularly sustainable and that I think that's already changing yeah um, so that's definitely something that I think is is a bit of a factor Rob where does short form and, and AVOD and, and all of that fit in, into into your sphere yeah we're we're definitely um, excited about that listen I mean we all got into this just to m- make cool shit right that's why we're getting to the content business anyway so I look at that that that's an avenue to do that when we did our Red Bull series way past midnight um, that was 10 half hours but we also delivered 40 short form assets to them that were kind of like their own mini series of marketing pieces that Red Bull was excited about um, I really I really like it I mean I just think it's I think what's what I see in Quibi is that they're very smart in the sense that they're targeting talent um, not just on screen but behind the screen they're going after um, great producers, uh, great on-screen talent. Their management's incredible, so I think they've got a good chance as anybody to, to be super successful. So 2020 is, uh, really is the year of the streamer. We've already got some massive players, and Disney Plus has just yeah. landed. There's uh, further launches to come this year. We're going to end up with six or seven enormous streaming services. How's that going to change the game for production companies like yourselves? Well, hopefully it's, uh, it's more opportunity for everybody. Which, which is great. I, like everybody here has said prior to me that we're all happy when there are the, you know when the door is open because it gives everybody time to kind of to reflect and see what the landscape looks like and then and then get out there. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's right. Yeah, I mean, I, and look, the, it's an ever-changing sort of world uh, that we're living in right now, more so than than any other point. And I do think that does present challenges, but net positive for sure excitement like I said I think it's reflected in what I've experienced what you were talking about um, here at Real Screen so it's just an, a more openness uh, and general positivity so one of the um, predictions that was made on a panel at NAPI they said there was if there's seven of these streamers all doing the same thing at the same price point that smells like two or three of them go away or there's some mergers down the line 
guy said that in five years he didn't think there would be those seven giant streamers. Do we do we agree? Like, are we... I, I do. I mean, that comes back to the subscription point of view. I think it's just not sustainable from a consumer's point of view to have to have eight, seven, eight, nine different subscription packages. It just doesn't make sense. To... And you back up to the hundred dollars you're paying for cable, which right, right, people right, don't right, want right. to do anymore. Exactly. Apparently, right? exactly. <laughs> And then you're actually back, then you start thinking, well, what you've just described, that consolidation actually starts to feel a bit like bundling. Yes. And that's actually what's happening on the Xbox side. And then I'm like, oh, this is quite familiar. Yeah. And what this looks like. It's quite cyclical, right? Yeah. Do you see, Rob, seven, seven big streamers in five years' time? Or... I, I actually, I do, I do think there could be. Um, I, think, I think what's great about those streamers and my experience with them is there is such a desire to make great content. Like they are really coming out and they want to give producers the tools to be successful. And I think, listen, I think people just want great content. So in my eyes, yes, um, there could be. I mean, great content can transcend many, many situations. Um, and I think, I, I think if they were just trying to aggregate content or they were just trying to get a high volume of content, I think it might be different. But my experience so far is that there is just an incredible desire for them to be homes of great, great content, and I think I think they've got a they've all got a chance. Yeah, that's fair. I totally get it. So I'm torn between asking, uh, finishing up by asking you for a prediction for 2020 or your biggest challenge in 2020. But as I didn't prime you before that I was going to ask that, I'll let you do whichever you like: uh, a prediction or a, a challenge for 2020. And they've all looked to the sky and started thinking. Um, Rob, let me let me come to you first. A prediction or your biggest challenge this year? Yeah, I think I think we've identified um, some of the challenges. So, prediction for me, I would say that this time next year, there's going to be a lot more producers here that have traditionally uh, just done cable shows that have moved into working with the premium streamers. I think I really believe that that opportunity is there and that it's very real and that a lot of uh, the folks that we've all known for many years are going to be like really moving into that business. Yeah, kind of production companies still just work with cable. I mean, we got people. You come to real screen and people kind of disc cable, but it's still ninety million people paying a hundred dollars a month think, or whatever. I think, I think, if somebody started a startup and got ninety million people to pay a hundred dollars yeah. a month, that sounds like a pretty good business yeah, to me. It's and, like, can you just exist with cable? And, and I think it's just more about um, just the, the opportunities that those places. Um, present for really good producers I just think it's that simple Tony prediction or your biggest challenge going into 2020 but choose which one you like uh, I'm going to go with the challenge my biggest challenge is not getting carried away with the fact that Liverpool are 19 points uh, oh, uh, we got so close <laughs> he's been checking the score all the way through this podcast <laughs> so engage with other people's answers every time someone else is answering it's what 2-0 are we, are we, are we still 2-0 yeah okay um Great, you should do uh, you should do being Liverpool again this year. This would have been the year to do it, right? Exactly. <laughs> yes, we'd love to do it again. Um, um, prediction or challenge for 2020? I think for us, um, challenge, but I think it's a good challenge in that there are, as we've discussed here, there are so many new opportunities coming up. It's really focusing on the couple of things that you know you can do really well, and then and then going after them. I think there's a there's a there's an opportunity to to go too wide, and I think that's a risk. And 
and really focusing on where you want to tell your stories and what makes sense to you and your company and your company's brand and kind of like where you've been and where you want to go. So for us, it's a challenge, but I think it's a challenge that's, that's preceded by a great opportunity. And it won't be too harsh on Tony. I managed to conduct an interview yesterday while watching QPR lose 2-1 at Blackburn. So uh, ever professional at C21. Uh, that's it for our coverage of uh, Real Screen this week. It's been an absolute pleasure. Guys, thanks for joining us and spending uh, time in a busy week. Uh, I'm on the plane back tomorrow, but uh, in the meantime, you can keep up with all the latest news on the television business uh, by logging on to C21 online, on Twitter and on Facebook.